Folks, if you're liking what you're getting from 30MPC, the number one way you can support us is by subscribing to our newsletter. Every week, you only get two emails. On Monday, you get a content roll-up of everything that dropped last week. And on Fridays, I pick one topic and I personally write a deep dive on things like how to cold call, how to run a discovery call, or even how to hire an AE. So if you're liking what you're getting here, take two seconds, go to the show notes. You'll see a button to subscribe to our newsletter, or you can go to 30mpc.com backslash newsletter and do it there. We'll catch you soon. Cheers. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. My name is Armand Farouk, and I'm here with my co-host, Mark Costello. And today, we have the one and only Pleasant Middleoff. She is the VP of Sales over at Converter. And holy smokes, some of the best stuff on just like how to coach a rep going into a discovery call. Mark, why should people listen? Pleasant is one of the most naturally talented salespeople I've ever worked with and had us translated into a leader that really understands the mechanics of sales. And because she has a teaching background, she's an unbelievable coach and teacher and mentor of salespeople. And so she's going to walk through in this episode, as you'll see, a whole bunch of stuff at a very like granular level that can help people understand like this is what great coaching looks like and three two one rolled tape today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by boomerang if you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do do it on the spot it's not worth adding it to your to-do list having to look at the item remember what you need to do that's going to take you more than two minutes anyway so do it on the spot get it off your plate now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at boomerang and you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes Today's deal acceleration tip is brought to you by Demandbase. If you want to save a ton of time as a salesperson and be more relevant, I recommend you prioritize your prospecting by those prospects who are showing buyer intent. It'll keep you from making a bunch of noise and reaching out to folks who aren't in market, and instead you'll reach out to folks who are in market. Now, we built a bunch of templates to help you prioritize, accelerate, and win with Demandbase, and there is a link to those wonderful templates in today's show notes. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Super Cadence by Influ2, which helps cut through the noise of oversaturated prospecting channels. If you want to get your prospect's attention, you got to do stuff a robot would never do. One of my favorite plays is getting warm introductions to the accounts that I'm targeting via salespeople who work at that account. Salespeople help salespeople. Another approach could be using Super Cadence to run SDR ads to put a face to the name. Now, we worked with Influ2 to put together a special toolkit on ways to humanize your outreach, which you can get for free at the link in the show notes. Today's tactic to triple your connect rate is brought to you by RocketReach, who provides data that lets you reach out to the right person at the right account at the right time. Every time you're reaching out to an account, pull down the contacts again. Yes, I know it sucks, but the average tech tenure is two years, which means 50% of the workforce turns over every year. So look up the account, pull anyone who was hired, and scratch anyone who was left. And one way you can pull verified and accurate data is with Rocket Reach. So if you like this, check out their toolkit on eight ways to triple your cold call connects in the show notes. All right, Pleasant, welcome to the show. We start every show with your top three actionable leadership takeaways. Let's get your three. All right. Number one, I call it the seven golden minutes. So if you take a listen to your reps calls, usually within the first seven minutes, specifically with discovery calls, you will understand and know your prospect's pain point, and why they took the call in the first place. So I encourage you to go back 
listen to those first seven minutes when they're giving the introduction and say, yeah, I came here because I'm having a problem with X, Y, and Z. And see how your reps respond. Do they anchor on it? Do they talk about it? Or do they keep going about, okay, that's great. Then tell me more about your role. Tell me more about your business. So those seven golden minutes can make or break a discovery call and also set you up to have a killer business case when you're putting those together. Boom. What's number two? Number two, everything happens with a framework. Have a framework and have a way to help your reps actually accomplish this. We use something which I've been really excited about. It's called the ABT framework. It's from the business of story. Guy's name is Park Howe. It's called the and but therefore. And it helps sometimes for them to just take a pause and reframe in a way that's logical for the customer to agree with and then to anchor in on the pain point. So example, so I hear what you're saying is, you really want an efficient way to get your leads to your salesperson. You're investing a ton in events and you know that if you can get them there faster, then you're going to have better return on your events. But you're unable to actually do that. You are slowed down massively because you've got a ton of manual processes and that in turn is actually really slowing down the ability of your sales team to generate revenue from these events. Therefore, you're looking for something that is going to automate your process and that will help to remove the manual things that you hate doing, like updating Excel spreadsheets before you load them into your CRM and capitalizing a letter so that way it's not going in funky so they could actually put it into a sequence or cadence without it being you know, poorly formatted. And you need a solution to be able to help you with that process. That's where Converter helps you. So- Let's dive in. So again, framework is everything. We use ABT, coach your reps on it, get them really used to doing it, and it'll help in the long run in all your calls. All right, bring us home. What's number three? Number three. Listen, you got to anchor on your controllables. So this is a general principle of the things that you can control, which I learned from my great mentor, Mark Cosiglo. There are so many things that are impacting our business today. And so it's really important when you're working with your reps, when you yourself are doing your planning and your own, what can we control within this sales cycle or what's happening with our pipeline or sales process? What are the things that you can control? And a lot of times, if you get overwhelmed with all the things that you can't, we're trying to work on this project and we're trying to work on this project. But then if you go back to the basics and the simples and understand like, I need some activities to be happening. I need to have a better account strategy for this one. That's the best way that you can help to control the anxiety and smooth the process along the way, anchor on the controllables, get your team to write them down, write them down yourself and stick to them, measure the data. And that's going to help you to be a lot more productive. Seven golden minutes. It sounds like some kind of movie or something. Well, I want to start on there for just a second. So you're hypothesizing that in most discovery calls in the first seven minutes, they tell you exactly why they're on the phone with you and most reps completely ignore it. How are you getting people to wise up to that? Because it's probably just a trained response or they're just going about their way or they're not actually listening. They have a plan. Like, How are you getting people to perk up and understand that first seven minutes is where the gold is? If your reps understand the purpose of discovery. There's a lot of teams that think, you know, I'm discovering to see if our solution's a fit. 
that's not the purpose of discovery. It is, I am talking to this person to understand what their problem is. And if you understand that this person is talking to you because they have a problem, then that makes everything a little bit more clear. And then the way that I get my reps to understand that and see that is just by simply listening to them. And sometimes it's super cringy because everybody hates listening to calls. And as a seller, when you hear something being said of, you know, like, hey, yeah, I want to join on the call because, you know, here's what we're really trying to accomplish and here's what the primary focus is. And then they hear their response, which is, no, okay, yeah, good. Well, I'm glad we're talking today. So tell me a little bit more about your role. Everyone's win gets taken out of their sales. And so the more times you repetitively go over those things and remind them, listen to your own calls, listen to other people's calls. What could you have done in that? Let's role play it out and show them how you can spin it up. This is what you're here for. That's your primary reason. So tell me a little bit about it. What have you been doing about it right now? And, you know, who else is this impacting in the organization? And what are the things that you're looking to try to accomplish by having this call? What's your ideal outcome? You can have a closed loop on that within a 10, 15 minute conversation and then go into, now tell me a little bit more about some of the other things that you're trying to prioritize, but oftentimes gets missed. And I say seven minutes because that's typically the marking point. If you have a rat that's chatty at the very beginning, then maybe it's like the 10 minute mark, but that's how we do it. You just keep listening and you keep letting them hear it and refocusing their talk track on stop, pause, anchor in on what they've just told you they are here to talk about. So I'm going to tell a little bit of pleasant story to help people understand why discovery has kind of unlocked her. And so when I first met Pleasant, I was leading a team that sold stuff to schools and we had just launched a new reading curriculum product. And I get this resume from this teacher in Northern Virginia that's like, I'm one of the best reading teachers in the entire state. And I think I could help you. Well, I met Pleasant and here's basically the gist of our interview. I'm teaching next door to this old hat that doesn't give a crap. And he makes twice as much money as I do just because he's been in the classroom longer than me. She's like, I got to get to where like me being awesome pays me more. And I'm like, okay, let's go. Within about six months, when we hired her in, Pleasant was already one of the top reps in the entire company. By the time she left, she was definitely the top rep. I brought her over to outreach with me where she was the top rep at outreach for three or four years while she was there. And I'll never forget her. She closed almost a million dollar deal like in our second year that almost broke the company and did a bunch of great things and also created a bunch of challenges for us. But the thing that was always consistent with Pleasant is her ability to get to the real root of the problem. And so I'm interested, Pleasant, tell me how you get your reps ready for discovery because you've turned into a top tier sales leader you know, one of the few top tier reps I've seen make a really strong transition into leadership. So you're teaching these things that you made you a great rep, like how you prepare somebody for discovery. I think preparation is the key. And there's a couple of ways that I look at discovery. So you have a rep that is going into a call. How well are they prepared and what do they know and not know? So as a leader, you need to be discovering the level of competency, the skill level, the understanding that your reps have before they're entering a call, maybe where their weak areas are. 
so that's the first piece is, is I do my own discovery on the team and where they need help. The second thing is just, again, prepping with your team. And this can be done before a call. This is done during, you know, when you're talking about pipeline, but it's asking the questions of, okay, you've got a call coming up. What are the things that you don't know about this person? What are the things that you don't know within the sales cycle? Who haven't we talked to? And why do you think that we haven't talked to them yet? Have we quantified our case enough? Have we given them business value or have we only talked about products? Even going into demos, um, I was just an example, working with the rep and prepping for the demo. And, and I said, so where's the business value in this? Where are we showing the quantifiable metrics of what we're showing? And it was more about the product and solution. So it was just like, okay, let's think about how we can weave this in. And it was through a killer snapshot of a QBR we had done where it showed exactly, we took this process that went from a week down to a minute and seven seconds per lead. And it was just a real high level. I said, you have to anchor in this so that way you can get people excited. So you're prepping with your reps. That's a big piece of it. The other one is that you are coaching. You're giving them feedback. You are listening in with them. I also, a lot of times will join calls. I'm still one of those managers and one of those leaders that I love talking to customers. I just freaking love it. And my team knows, I always make the joke, like, I'm just here as a silent partner, but they always know that I'm going to ask stuff. And those are really teachable moments when you're working alongside of your team and showing them a different way of doing things or asking questions that they may not have asked and then debriefing afterwards. So that's kind of how I help to get my reps and team up-leveling their skills within discovery. I love this concept because I think a lot of earlier stage reps will be focused so much on what they're going to cover in the call instead of what they're going to get out of the call. They'll be so focused on this is a 60-minute demo call where we're going to walk through this, this, and this workflow, but they're not focused on when we do this 60-minute demo, that gives us the ability to ask for this thing, right? And so let's say that your rep comes to the table and they're like, hey, here's what I know about the account. We have a champion. They have this problem. And then they say, but here's what we don't know. We don't have access to power right now. And we don't know if power cares about these types of problems as well. We know this is a problem for the champion, but not necessarily for the chief whatever officer. How do you take that information and then use that to change or coach on the call structure? When you're doing like, let's say a demo and you only have your champion on there, you are looking to get them more excited about the thing that they are solving for. And when you realize, okay, we need more access to power. What are the things that those people would actually care about? And structuring your call in a way of saying like, hey, so this is how this is going to happen, but let me tell you about another benefit that this is going to bring to your org, which I know that your leadership team is thinking about, governance and compliance. GDPR, PII, all the privacy data, so important. And you're sending spreadsheets over. So that might really be of high risk. I'll send you some information over, but who's the one that like thinks about that kind of stuff? and would be concerned that they're putting their company at a risk of a lawsuit if they are not securely passing data through. So it's identifying what are the other aspects and the value for each persona. And that's an exercise that should be done is 
what is the value for the personas? And then weaving in those little like, hey, this is how you can look really good because this person's going to be thinking about this and not necessarily like covering it, going through it. Because again, they don't care. That's not their pain point. But telling them, here's how you can get this person involved. I'll send you over some information about that later on and share that with them. I love how you're coaching around the matching the information altitude with the altitude of that person in the organization. Because oftentimes when a rep is so focused on, again, that 60-minute deep dive demo, as someone who's not personally participating in the emotions of the deal, what you have the ability to do is realize like, hey, you're planning to be down here in the weeds, but if you want to get in front of this other person, the type of information that you're going to need to send to them is completely different. And so I'm curious just on like a macro level, are you doing this for all of your calls? Are you jumping on these calls after you do the prep? Are you just doing the prep and being like, as long as I prep you, you're good to go alone? Because I've found that there's frankly a lot of value in me just doing the call prep and being like, if you know what to do in that call and we're aligned beforehand, you can run it on your own. But I'm curious for your take on like where your involvement stops. So I really do let my reps decide uh, if they want me on specific calls or not. My reps know where my strengths are, which is definitely discovery and peppering in some of the business value, especially if there's like a top level decision maker or negotiating. And there are a lot of times where I will give them the choice. Like, do you need me on this call? We've prepped. Do you need me? And if it's a newer rep, a lot of times they'll say yes. And I'm not going to leave somebody hanging. So that's one of the things. The ones that I know are really critical where I feel like, okay, I, for my own peace of mind as one of the leaders, I need to know that we're qualifying the things that we need to qualify because this is a really important one to our forecast. And this is one that I'm talking about to leadership team about. I'm on those calls because I like firsthand information. So it's a little bit of a mix of both, you know, depending on the the type of customer that you're talking to, depending on the deal size, depending on the way that your reps handle it and what their comfort level are. That's how I really decide where I'm going to be spending my time. And I am strategic with my time too. If there's someone that's like abusing it, which I've never had that happen where they're like every call that went you on, then you kind of tell them like, hey, take the reins and go with it because your day can't be spent on customer calls. But the reality is, listen, you know your own business, you know your own org, and you know the importance of driving revenue. And so if you know that there's a skill level where you need to be on it to get a deal over the line, you'd be on those calls. The dance between the leader and the rep on a customer call together can be weird. Like some reps and some leaders dance well together, others don't. Like how do you dance well with your reps on the phone? Like, what do you do prior to a call to make sure that you're a value add and not like taking over the call or just sitting there? Like a leader sitting on a call, not saying anything for half an hour is like such a bummer. There are some times where that will happen too, by the way. Like if it's a demo that they're just handling it super well, then I'm like, oh, I was not a value on this call. And I'm okay to recognize that and tell them like, you guys did a killer job. Glad you didn't need me. But for me, I like to consider myself kind of the endearing, like kind of the awkward person when I'm on a call, like, oh, I have something to say. You know what I mean? Like just to pepper it in. And I always 
make a point to be like, I know I said I was going to be the silent partner, but let me just ask this one real quick thing, if you don't mind. And then I'll ask a question and, and then we'll move on from there. And I only will do that if there's something that I know that we're going to miss if we don't ask it then. And they know that the team knows that. So I just use my interjections sparingly. And if there's one that, you know, we've all had those calls where you do end up taking over a little bit, it's really important to recap with the wrap of why, because you were identifying something that they weren't picking up on, or you were hearing something from a leadership level that they may not understand, or you had insight into something else that you knew that it was important to take the conversation down a different path, but always recap so that the way they don't feel like, oh, wow, this is a person that I really don't want to invite to my conversations ever. Yeah. Sometimes for me, it was like, okay, I'll let it slip once. I'll let it slip twice. But then the third time, because you have to let room for mistakes happen. Otherwise, you're just, they might have it in the back of their mind. But the third time it goes, especially in front of power, I'm like, okay, I got to say something. What are some of the things that you're looking for in a call that would lead you to be like, I got to jump in here? Or like, this is something that if we don't cover it or if I don't say something here, this deal is going to go awry. The number one thing I look for in every company that I've been a part of, it's always about get the business case, quantify the value, and have the metrics behind it when you're presenting your executive summary. So what I am always listening for is opportunities to ask questions around quantification metrics. So you're saying that you're having like, you know, yeah, we get a whole bunch of leads that we're processing on spreadsheets all the time. If a rep goes to like, oh, okay, and so how else are you getting leads? That's when I'll step in and say, pause. So just real quickly, like on average, how much time is that taking your team? Or how many spreadsheets are we talking about? Are we talking about like four a month or are we talking about 25 a day? Or another example, you're telling me that you're losing deals because you can't integrate with your client CRM. And so you're passing them leads in a way that's unsecure. How many deals do you think you've lost in the last five months or so? I'm always looking for the things that they say that I know that I could get a number for so that way we can build a business case on the back end. And again, that's the process of coaching the refs of like stay in the moment and ask your BANT questions so that way you can, which they're really not BANT, but it's like just quantifying the pain. That's primarily what I'm looking for. Because it is so freaking hard to build business cases when you're all done with all the demos, all done with all the discovery, and then sending an email and saying, hey, can you give me all these metrics so that way I can build a business case for you? It's very difficult to do. So that's why you pepper it in on every conversation and get as much info as you can. You almost energize the Bant haters there. <laughs> be careful using those old school qualification methodologies. Lord knows you don't want to know if somebody has budget or not. <laughs> I know, I know. You know, budget's one thing. It's quantifying loss. What I've really started seeing, especially in a lot of the conversations, is how well are you using your budget? There's never budget for new stuff, it seems, these days. But are you actually using your budget in a way that is going to give the business what they're looking for and give you the best outcome? Or if you reallocated that budget, would you be then saving yourself so much more? or producing more revenue. I mean, you're talking about a lot of reps will stop at the level one problem, which is, ah, these spreadsheets suck. It takes me a lot of time. And 
it's uncomfortable to ask for the level two, the impact on the business. And oftentimes your goal as a sales leader is you can just have this bird's eye view on the discovery call and you can see how deep they're going into the water with the problem. And the moment they want to jump out of the pool and jump into the next pool right next door, you say, no, 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 come right back in. You're going to go down to 10 feet of depth because you know that that's the level of discomfort of conversation you need to have to justify buying your software later on or whatever product you're selling. Pleasant, I'm curious for you, you have some really interesting ways of structuring calls or these different moments within the call. For example, you have your seven golden minutes, your ABT framework for when you're having someone tell a story. I cannot claim that one. Not yours, but yours that you employ, right? Yeah. And my guess is you have, when you're teaching reps discovery, you have, hey, these are the four or five pieces or parts of a discovery call. So when you're breaking down or you're coaching a rep on the different ways to structure a discovery call, what are those different chapters or pieces that a rep can start to master? I don't necessarily have it broken down like that with the different chapters, but it's always about what's your end outcome of a discovery call. And always the end outcome is to A, have an energized champion that wants to take another call with you. B, for us to be able to really clearly articulate, here's the value that we will give to you and what we will show for you. And then like number three is like, what are your top three things that we want to show you on a demo that we can solve for you? Or maybe only two, or it may just be one. So the framework is if you have gotten to those points, then it was very successful. If you are talking a whole lot about pitching us and what we do, you have missed the mark on that. And so again, there's, I think, different levels to where reps are. I'll give you an example. And I know something we've talked about, like with newer reps, they're actually really good at this. When a rep is new and they don't know a whole lot about the product and the solution, you can take them down. Like, here's a framework of the questions that you want to ask. You want to ask about what their challenges are. Get a little bit more into it about their process so that we can set it up for an SC or or for a demo. Ask them what their end state is going to look like. So it's like the basic framework of your discovery. New reps are great at that because they have no clue about the solution. So it's those ones that become the experts that you have to take down a kind of a different path of refocusing them on the simple, but the reps that know about the challenges. I had a rep at my previous company. She was like a freaking beast, just a freaking beast. And top rep, top ramped rep, she blew everybody out of the water. And I remember though, like it was around the her one year mark. She was like, I don't know what's going on with me. I don't know what's going on. Like I used to just kill it with this stuff. And like my discoveries, like I'm not landing on what like it's like nobody's qualified anymore is it like the quality of what the what we're getting is it this as we listened to it i was like no it's the quality of your discovery because you started asking questions that are around what product can i position to this person versus what can i solve for them and getting them excited and wanting to learn more about what we're doing so sometimes the call or your coaching has to be structured around, have you shifted your questioning? Have you shifted your outcomes? And refocus them on the simplistic 
discovery framework. Discovery is a conversation, but you need to have some clear questions and a flow for it that are not around your product. I think there are a lot of reps that struggle with that a lot. Pleasant. I'll, I'll never forget, like as a rep, when I started to realize that I was avoiding the things that actually would help me understand if I could win a deal or not. And, you know, people have a lot of different words for that. You and I use the word friction. I have a VP that works for me that always like, what's the friction? Like, what sucks about this deal? And if you didn't know it, then he's like, then you don't got a deal. So I think that you also have a concept around friction and reducing it and helping it. Like, how do you get reps comfortable with uncovering and then attacking friction? Because we all know, like, you can dance around it and eventually it's just going to bite you if you don't deal with it. So why not hit it head on? So how are you helping reps do that? Sometimes it's just modeling it for them. And, you know, when you are doing your prep and they don't know, it is oftentimes modeling. Here's a way that you can ask this that is not going to sound abrasive, but ask them in this way and weave it into your conversation like this. Or simply send them an email. It's just helping with them with the prep. And it's, again, being on some of the calls. And if they see you do it in live, or if someone has done it really well, making sure that you're saving those little snippets and sharing them with the team when you're on team calls of like, here's a win where this person went deep and they were able to get the information that they needed and giving them examples. Because if it's not something that's ingrained in their brain, they need examples. They need modeling. They need practice, just like with everything else. Well, Pleasant, this one was outstanding. Unfortunately, it's not 40 minutes to President's Club. It's 30 minutes to President's Club. So we have to cut the show. And so the final question is as follows. If there was one bad habit or thing that every sales leader in the world should stop doing today for you, what would that be? not having a healthy level of paranoia in the way that we look at our pipeline, our deals, and being transparent and honest about things. There's a lot of inflation that happens. There's a lot of hope that happens. And when we talk to reps, there's not enough challenging back sometimes with, like Mark said, like, if you don't have it, that's a deal. That would be the habit is if you're feeling really comfortable and you're not your own paranoid yourself about the risk of deals and conscious about that, quit it because that's when you get yourself in front of the board and you're like, sorry, we didn't hit by such a big hit, but we thought all these deals were great. So healthy level of paranoia and scrutiny and transparency within your own understanding of the deals. Well, this one was great. And everyone, if you are paranoid that you're going to forget something from this episode, hang on for a 60-second recap coming up soon. Cheers. Here's my secret to being a sales superhuman. It's auto-reminders for everything. If I expect any reply from a prospect, I press Command-H, and superhuman pops it right back into my inbox if I don't get a reply in two days. That means if you handle an objection, if you suggest times for a meeting, or if you ask for cuts back on red lines, always create a two-day reminder task and assume they will not reply. So if you want to follow up on time every time, you can get a free month of superhuman by checking it out in the show notes. 
This actionable competitive tactic from Clue is the trap question. Steer discovery toward the winning zone. If we're competing with a podcast that has no newsletter or webinar series, we might ask a trap question like, how do you figure out if those podcast listeners are making their way to your mailing list? And when you're in a head-to-head, there's no better way to prepare for your next competitive battle than with our trap questions and battle card templates from our friends at Clue. The link's in the show notes. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Woodpecker. When you're sending a sales email, you generally want to avoid putting punctuation in the subject line. If you've got an exclamation point, it makes it seem like you're shouting at them. Look at this amazing offer. And a question mark just smells salesy. So avoid punctuation. Now, if you want to steal my full sales cadence from my friends at Woodpecker, there's a link in the show notes for you to go get it and try it for free. Today's deal acceleration cheat code is brought to you by Pipedrive, which is a CRM built by sellers for sellers. The best way to drive your pipeline forward is to every single day, pull up a list of all of your open opportunities and look at each opportunity by stage and think, what can I do today that will increase my likelihood of winning this deal? That's how you keep your ops moving forward in between meetings that you have on the calendar. Now we documented five cheat codes that can help you cut your sales cycle in half with Pipedrive. There's a link in the show notes to steal them. All righty, Mark. Let's debrief. What'd you think? I think that Pleasant has a couple things that make her unbelievable. One of them is this discovery thing and her ability to understand how to help people get to do it better. And, you know, it's funny, she's a little Southern belle in some ways and we'd be in the toughest deals and she'd come in with her little Southern accent. Sometimes be like, well, Armand, like, I just don't know if I believe what you're saying right now. And it's like the nicest way to ask the hardest question possible. And I think that you see why she's able to do that kind of stuff in that episode. You guys are both hitting me with these great accents and all this stuff. I felt so warm and at home. And here I am, just the angry guy without the cool accent and all that stuff. So I'm going to start faking it because apparently it makes you much more relatable on Discovery Calls. But actually, I think the thing that I got the most out of it was her ability to cover so many calls without it necessarily being in them and just being like, if I prep my reps on what they need to get out of the call and then when I'm on a call, I'm going to find the point where I can quantify a problem that they've found. I thought it was really smart the way, the moments that she planned to insert herself in a call without micromanaging a call. Anywho, folks, if you like this one, go check out other leadership shows that we've done in the past and stay tuned for the next one next week. Peace. Today's deal acceleration tip is brought to you by Demandbase. If you want to save a ton of time as a salesperson and be more relevant, I recommend you prioritize your prospecting by those prospects who are showing buyer intent. It'll keep you from making a bunch of noise and reaching out to folks who aren't in market, and instead you'll reach out to folks who are in market. Now, we built a bunch of templates to help you prioritize, accelerate, and win with Demandbase, and there is a link to those wonderful templates in today's show notes. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Super Cadence by Influ2, which helps cut through the noise of oversaturated prospecting channels. If you want to get your prospect's attention, you got to do stuff a robot would never do. One of my favorite plays is getting warm introductions to the accounts that I'm targeting via salespeople who work at that account. Salespeople help salespeople. Another approach could be using Super Cadence to run SDR ads to put a face to the name. Now, we worked with Influ2 to put together a special toolkit on ways to humanize your outreach, which you can get for free at the link in the show notes. Notes.